Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, hello, Central's back. Scott's back on the show. Your host, Ross McLeod, is back. But Scott, most importantly, this is the weekend. Fans are back at WWE live events. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, this, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we've got three big shows, which we're also like to talk about here. And just, and even Raw on Monday, just by having fans, I think it's going to make a hell of a difference quality-wise. Exactly, exactly. But before we get into that, obviously, at Suplex Retweet is the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube handle you need to follow if you want to keep up with us. And if you want to hear our last shows, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Uh, we can just bounce right into it then because we're excited to talk about the fans being back. We're excited to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up for WWE. You know, we've seen reports online that there's going to be several themed episodes, rumoured King of the Ring episodes, Queen of the Ring, you know, other things like that. So tonight, well, tonight at time of recording, last night's Smackdown at time of release, um, we're going to have Bianca Belair in a ladder match against Carmella. We're going to have a fatal four-way with the four men in the men's Money in the Bank ladder match from Smackdown. And there's rumours abound online, uh, with just stuff that can happen tonight, the first show back in front of a live crowd. How much are you looking forward to this? Well, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. You know, uh, I, I'm not on Saturday Draft Live tomorrow. It's going to be Jack and uh, Jack and David Cam, which you probably have already heard by the time that you've listened to this, unless you chose to listen to this before Saturday Draft Live. But, you know, because I'm not on Saturday Draft Live tomorrow, I'm thinking it's just staying up for the first time in a while to watch SmackDown. And that's how excited I am for this. You know, you also got, I think, the United Edge and uh, the Mysterios against the Usos and Roman, which is the first time Roman and the Usos have properly like teamed together since you know Jimmy came back. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think Roman, while promoting that six man, may have let slip about uh, a potential SmackDown tag team title match between the Usos and the Mysterios, which at time recording hadn't actually been confirmed yet. But I'd be I'd be all about seeing that. Yeah, it seems WWE is. Going all uh, all out, obviously, with the women's title ladder match as a sort of replacement for um, Bailey being injured. We'll talk about her injury a wee bit later on. Um, but you know, a, a ladder match and replacement of that, and then the fact that there might be both the Raw and tag titles defended on the main show of Money in the Bank. I mean, it's a it's a fair trade off, I think, and I think what a I think. The crowd are going to be like we've seen WrestleMania. I think, and no disrespect to certain people, I won't you know name names of matches, but like certain matches weren't that great when you watch them back. But the crowd being there for the first time in a year, the the spectacle of it and the fact that it was WrestleMania made it feel so much more. I'm looking forward to the crowd making everything feel big. Yeah, so like, cause uh, I think Money in the Bank will be a good show overall, and uh, not just in the fact that like, fans are bad, but you know, there's always the possibility of a, a surprise uh, with these Money in the Bank ladder matches. You know, the the undercard uh, matches uh, outside the ladder match, you know, the, you got the Universal Title Roman v Edge, and uh, you got Lashley versus Kofi and everything. 
and you know some of these undercard matches to be really good. And I think maybe looking back a few years later, maybe we'll think, yeah, it was a good for like a B P viewer in terms of money in the bank. It was a good show. But I think you know when we look back on it, we we will look back on it mostly be and fo- when we look back on this fondly, I think it will probably have a lot to do with the fact that the live crowd returned after a long absence. Because even WrestleMania, as loud as it was, and as much as it made a difference from what we'd seen up until that point, wasn't a full crowd. Whereas this is going to be pretty much capacity, it seems like. We'll talk about Money in the Bank later on, but Scott, something that you're passionate about, Impact, Slammiversary, tell us about that. Yes, uh, on the 17th, uh, the night before Slammiversary, uh, today, obviously, that if you're here listening to this, we're going to have Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. Uh, the, I think, as much as Bound for Glory's hyped as the biggest night in Impact's calendar, I think Slammiversary over the last couple of years has really surpassed it. Uh, given obviously everything that happened last year with the releases and who was going to show up. They're keeping that going this year. We've got a Kenny Omega, AEW and Impact Champion defending the Impact World title in a no-disqualification match against uh, Sam McCallaghan. You've got the Ultimate X match returning, as we discussed a few weeks ago, with Josh Alexander against Rohit Raju, Trey Miguel, Chris Bay, Ace Austin and Pete Williams. You've got Diana Perrazzo taking on a mystery opponent. You got uh, W. Morrissey versus Eddie Edwards, Moose versus Chris Sabin, uh, and we've also got a, a four-way for the tie titles of Violent by Design, who have been doing this Freebird rule uh, with these tie titles, uh, with Eric Young, who's currently injured in their corner against the Good Brothers, uh, Rich Swan and Willie Mack, and TJP and Falaba. Uh, we've also got Fire and Flea, the tie team champions in the women's division, defending against. Uh, defending against Havoc and Rosemary and I'm actually was literally recorded which was announced like on last night's go home show of uh, another mystery to be added to the card of Matt Cardona along with a mystery partner likely a female in this mixed tag against Daniel Dashwood and Brian Myers and uh, Brian Myers put a really good tweet because uh, acknowledging the fact that Daniel Dashwood used to go out with Matt Cardona basically saying uh, that Matt was going up against two, his two exes at Slammiversary, as also they've been doing this whole former friend storyline on TV, and he basically says to Matt, Karma's a bitch, and so are you. <laughs> uh, but overall, I'm looking forward to the, the show, and plus you got like with the mystery opponent for Diana Perazzo, that is, I think, where we're going to see like the biggest surprise of the night of a former WWE star showing up. But, you know, we, you never know what else could happen across the card with people that they fight to come up. Like not only people that have been recently released back in April, but people from Japan potentially showing up as well. Yeah, they've, all, they've got the Forbidden Door aspect this year, which they didn't have last year. And the, obviously, uh, the Forbidden Door aspect and the, the WWE releases, which they did have last year. Um, let, let's toss around some names here for the um, for both the women's title match and for Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder's partner. Um so recently, obviously, WWE had to bring up a few names to SmackDown. They brought up uh, Tony Storm and uh, Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Tegan Knox. And TNA look like they don't want to miss a beat either. They want to strengthen what is possibly the strongest women's division, I think. You know, I, I think they certainly do have a, a women's roster that could match anyone else. Um 
some names I'm going to rule out right now, much to the, probably the dismay of David Campbell listening. Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics, I don't think they are going to show up. They they said on their podcast that they, they don't have work visas at the moment. They are, they're able to stay in the country because uh, she's married to Ty... Uh, sorry, the former Peyton Royce is married to Ty Dillinger. Uh, and I believe Billy Kay's husband is American. Um, and th- like they, they're able to stay there through marriage, but they need work visas, and it's like it's a big thing. They were like, we could be waiting a while to get back into wrestling. This is the reason we're doing the podcast, is to stay relevant. You know, by now someone could be listening to this on Sunday and going, shut up, Ross, you knew nothing. It was uh, Peyton Royce, it was Matt Cardona's mystery partner, and Billy Kay won the, won the women's title, and it was all the work. But do you see any of the iconic showing up? No. Uh, unfortunately not. I think if they were going to come in, they they got to come in as a, a duo. But uh, and also the fact that the door is open for them to go to AEW, given like you said, Peyton Royce is uh, the former Peyton Royce's uh, relationship with Ty with Sean Spears. Uh, I've been looking at thinking about this. I've been talking with some friends who also watch Impact about who we thought we were to see uh, showing up because the whole thing of doing this is the fact that John is pretty much beating everybody that they have. Uh, I would have said Chelsea Green. Uh, but then she also seems like a good candidate for the, the tag match. But then she showed up at Ring of Honor recently, saying that she was still months away from being cleared. Although, I mean, she could say that she could, like, if she's in the tag match, she could get away with doing very little. Because I could still see her showing up, even if she doesn't wrestle, but to kind of stake her claim for a future title shot. But uh, she, made, she specified at Best in the World, because been, Ring of Honor have been doing a lot of their teams in Maryland. They said it was the Mer- Maryland Athletic Commission that wouldn't allow her to wrestle given her current recovery uh, or current recent injury. So, you know, if they're in a different state, maybe she could get away with competing, but I wouldn't hold my breath in seeing her challenging Deanna. I wouldn't... I actually could see it being Mickey James that answers the challenge. Yeah, I think she's the front runner at the moment, you know. Um, her release from WWE in 2010 was a big shock and she went to Impact and she was there for there for a good few years, much like Kurt Angle, it's sort of a sort of a popular opinion that her TNA run, much like Kurt Angle's, was better than the WWE run. You know, she did so much for the division. She was allowed to do more. She had so much more freedom. Um, she's not shied away from having a dig at WWE recently on the treatment of people. Um, and she recently tweeted as of two days ago. She tweeted out, ah, well, 90 days are over. It was fun. Now the ass-kicking begins. And then she put like, a wee gif up or something going, you are free. And so I think she she could be. She's also involved in NWA, where her husband, Nick Aldis, is the world champion. Uh, she's producing the all-female pay-per-view Empower uh, next month. So... She could be. She could even show up just to scout talent. You know what I mean? NWA could be added into the Forbidden Door sort of thing. We've seen them and AEW have a relationship. Why not fucking throw TNA, actually Impact Wrestling, and all that into the mix as well? See, that's that's uh, at least the, an idea I had the other day when I was talking with some people about this. And this one seems slightly more out there than uh, than anybody from like WWE coming in. But because uh, yeah, she said she's not really going to wrestle for NWA at the All Women Show. She's more a producer, but. 
they're doing a show uh, NWA 73rd anniversary a few days later which she said she is going to wrestle at that show we haven't confirmed what her opponent's going to be though but the idea of like the, the leading to a relationship between the NWA and uh, and Impact you know and it could be held by the fact that NWA have already worked with AEW in the past with the title being defended on their shows I'm wondering there's somebody who was an Impact for a while who's now signed with uh, signed with the NWA most recently and Kylie Ray and also there was all the singers that around her she was supposed to face Deonna at Benford Corey she didn't show up they had this quick title change with Sue Young which then switched back a month later I'm saying this is out there but I would love it if Kylie Ray managed to make her return even just for one night just so we could get that match with her and Deonna we were meant to get back at Benford Corey could be a good shout as well um you mentioned Chelsea Green earlier on. Um, I think she's Mark Cardona's partner. You mentioned, obviously, about the, it was the Maryland Athletic Commission that wouldn't re- let her wrestle. Um, a tag match, she wouldn't really have to do much. You know, she could, you know, maybe chase Tennille about. Tennille Dashwood refusing to, you know, maybe get in the ring with her. Sets up for a Tennille Dashwood-Chelsea Green match later on down the line. And, of course, leaves Matt and, uh, sorry, Matt Cardona and... Uh, Brian Myers to have their sort of blood feud with each other, you know what I mean? So, and, and obviously, again, we talk about the Forbidden Door, it just seems like anyone who's not WWE seems to have the relationship of letting their talent go elsewhere. You know what I mean? Whereas WWE, I'm not saying people don't invest in their talent as much as WWE does, but WWE, you know, when they get a talent, they've got a video game character, they've got uh, action figure toy, they've got a face they can put on t-shirts and posters and towels and you know, everything out there you know what I mean, so why would WWE be involved in that you know what I mean, they, they've not got that sort of relationship, so it, it could be interesting to see, you know, multiple talent working for Ring of Honor and TNA, I know that was a a thing with uh, Austin Aries and AJ Styles back in the day where and CM Punk, where Ring of Honor didn't want their talent working for TNA, or maybe it was the other way about, and, you know, relationships were a bit frayed, but Ring of Honor's not the the cool, hip, indie choice now in America, you know, it's a lot of their talent left to go to AEW or WWE, they're not in a position of strength right now, and I think teaming up with the likes of Impact, who have relationships with New Japan and AEW, and AEW has relationships with the NWA, it could be good for them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, like, you can think about some of the females that were let go back at the, the start of the pandemic. Also, we've talked about why the iconics probably didn't show up. You've got Mickey James. There are some uh, people who are let go. I mean, the most interesting option to show up, sadly, was Samoa Joe, but now he's back in NXT. And then you've got some of the people from New Japan, but you look at the card, and there's no obvious place for them to show up because like unless you have someone like a Heath who just wanders wanders through the barricade and into the and into the ring remember his segment when he showed up or if someone's gonna appear via vignette like Brian Myers got one last year. So yeah. I'm not sure if they're gonna have to play this because they've got about like, eight matches. I don't know if they're gonna do a pre show. They've started you know experimenting with doing pre shows for pay per views. So unless like the mixed targets move to a pre show ever uh, they've got eight matches. I think that's as much as they really need without adding anything else. Uh, I remember I was also talking with a friend about he t- he asked about Tucker showing up 
And I said, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him. He seems to fit the mold for violent by design. He's big and got a bit of a beard. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the card. Um, w. Morrissey versus Eddie Edwards and Chris Saban versus Moose. They look prime targets for someone to show up and cost someone a match. You know what I mean? Like, uh, W. Morrissey, is he not aligned with uh, Eric Young? Uh, no, I think they only I think they only debuted him that way because Young got injured right before Rebellion, and so they debuted him that way. ever since he's gone this whole crusade of basically say that nobody's friends in wrestling and nobody really trusts anybody. Uh, I was going to say if Eric Young's attacking Eddie Edwards, you could see a face debut. If Eddie Edwards is on the verge of beating W Morrissey, I think you might have a heel debut. Uh, same for Chris Saban versus Moose. Um, if Chris Saban's maybe going to upset Moose, someone comes in and costs him. If Moose is maybe beating the hell out of Saban after it, and, oh, I can't be challenged. I, no one can challenge me. You might see someone pop up then. But as you said, there's no there's no obvious place where people will show up. We'll go back to the, the women first. So quickly, uh, your prediction for Matt Cardona's partner. Mine's is Chelsea Green. Do you think that as well? Uh, yeah, because I can't see anybody else. I mean, unless they just put somebody else that's already on the roster, in which case, what's the point of still advertising as a mystery? Uh, Deanna Perazzo's opponent. Yeah, I'm guessing with Mickey James. Right, well, so I think Mickey James too, but so it's not boring. Um, <laughs> we're agreeing with each other and you know getting along and being civil. So it's not that I will. You know what? I'll go Ruby Riot. Fair enough there. Be interesting think, to see her. I think people have come out, reached out to like early third or four number to say it's not Ruby, which could be their way of trying to say like, well, it is Ruby, but we don't want people to think that it's Ruby. Yeah. Um, so some other big matches there. I'm just going to run through the card at the moment, and then we will talk about Ultimate X and the world title match. So Chris Saban versus Moose. We've got Violent by Design, Eric Young, Diener, Joe Doring or Rhino. Two of those four will defend the tag titles against Rich Swan and Willie Mack, uh, TJP and Falabar, and the good brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, the women's tag titles, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles from Fire and Flavor, taking on Havoc and Rosemary. Eddie Edwards taking on W. Morrissey, as I mentioned as well. The Ultimate X match, uh, Josh Alexander, Peter Williams, Trey Miguel, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Rohit Raju. Um, Ultimate X, obviously a, a, a TNA staple back in the day for the X Division, something that survived all this time. Very rarely do you see the champion retain. Do you think the champion Josh Alexander can retain here or do you think we're going to see a new a new Impact champion within the next 24 hours? No, I think even though it might seem like the, the boring one to go with, I think Alexander's going to retain because he's been made to look very strong as, as champion. He had a he and TJP had an Ironman match not too long ago, which I definitely recommend people check out. It's on Impact YouTube in its entirety for, for free. Uh, check out. Uh, I really think this is going to be a match tonight. I wouldn't mind if they opened maybe with this uh, to kind of you know get the because it's going to be a limited crowd or get them you know on their feet, get them hyped up. Uh, but I think you know all the reports are that. Alexander is getting, you know, this big push from Impact, and they're going to be very behind. So I think keeping on on this dominant reign, you know, having them beating five of the top 
X Division guys in one match. Uh, actually, all of them, I think, are um, former, except, with the exception of Trey Miguel, everybody else in this match is a former X Division champion. So he's beaten four uh, former champions and one of the guys that they've also got high hopes for. So I think it's a strong push for him. I think he's going to go on a very long reign as, as champion. Maybe I wouldn't mind seeing him trying to execute the whole auction C thing while still champion and bring that back. So I think he needs to keep uh, Alexander going because he's got the most momentum out of everybody. Um, well, the, if Josh Alexander retains, I mean, you talked about no obvious places for people to debut. Um, Josh Alexander could pop up, the, uh, sorry, someone could pop up to challenge Josh Alexander at the next pay per view, you know what I mean? Like, there is a lot of places, now that we said there's no obvious places, it seems there's so many obvious places where people can pop up and maybe uh, offer a challenge. Um, I mean, somebody who, I don't think he'll pop up after this match, but somebody who I think is free to go elsewhere, and I would like to see the next division is Kalisto. And like and now he said he's officially now Samurai Del Sol again. Uh, so interested to see if he pops up. And even though his non-compete wouldn't allow him to show up here, he could be he would be free by uh, by Bound for Glory because that's the thing with these other later releases. I think they'd be free for an Impact's next pay-per-view down the line, which could be interesting. But apparently, Impact's made a big play for Buddy Murphy. Oh, that um, Josh Alexander Buddy Murphy would would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ace Austin, I think. Listen to you talk there. I think Josh Alexander is the, the he's the safe choice. He's the obvious choice. The only other one that sticks out to me, Ace Austin. Um, he's got Sawyer Fulton in his corner, so you know that's always a, a big equaliser. So I will um, tease you that Chris Bay is going to win it, and then. Like and then Alexander will like shove him off like the runs and then maybe they'll have a singles match later on because the routine thing where obviously Ace and and Rohit have got big guys in their corner so they've kind of formed this B mini group and then you've got the faces of the of the match on the other side whereas Alexander's kind of out for himself and then you had the thing where last few weeks Crispy's actually teasing that he's turning face but nobody none of the faces trust him so you could have a swerve here of Crispy act, wrestling like a baby face almost getting it. And then maybe showing his true colours later on. So I think for me, the the, ex, the second choice after Josh is Chris Bay, because otherwise, why why are you teasing this baby face turn if nothing's going to come of it? Yeah. Um, so main event: the draw: Sammy Callahan, Kenny Omega, the AEW, TNA, Impact, AAA, ECW, WCW, uh, AWA. NWO, like it's just go on, go on, go on. He's he's literally covered in gold, Scott Kenny Omega. Um, we know they're setting up towards a match with Adam Page and AEW. We know he's got a match with Andrade any sometime soon uh, for Triple A. Is this going to be the first piece of silver? Uh, sorry, first piece of gold. That Kenny Omega loses, or do you think do you think the champion of many companies is going to keep on rolling? I think this is where it starts to fall apart for Kenny. As uh, the whole thing with him and, uh, and Hangman is that he said, like, but after he beat Jungle Boy, he said he was going to go spend some time in Triple A and Impact because you know, I need challenges for those belts because I have nobody for for this belt. So 
And now, so while they slowly build Hangman, giving him the confidence to actually say, I want to fight Kenny it all out, then I think elsewhere you have Kenny losing his other belts. And I, I said that before, that that's what you could do, have him come down to just having one belt all out to sense the idea that he's desperate to keep this one belt he's got left. And no DQ stipulation, don't only sit little Sammy Callahan, know with his background in CZW and places like that, but it opens the door for all sorts of shenanigans with the Good Brothers getting involved. Maybe they'll have some members of the Impact roster you know, coming out to chase them off. So it's just Sammy and Kenny, like, one-on-one. And maybe when it's finally, when Kenny's finally got, not got callous of the Good Brothers to back him, that's where he finally falls. And also, if you, like, have him be, get, take a spot through chairs or through a table at the end, then Kenny can still go back to AW as their world champion, having not lost anything despite losing his title. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Um, you mentioned, obviously, the Good Brothers and that being in the corner. Um, could be could be another obvious place for, you know, at, in the card where we said there was no obvious places, showing that we clearly know fuck all. Um, Sammy Callahan could be getting beat down another time, another, sorry, another opportunity for someone to debut. No, um, I know, who, and I don't. I don't think it will be him. I think he, this person will end up back in WWE uh, sometime soon. But you know who I would love to see debut at the end of the main event and challenge Kenny Omega for the TAS or the Impact World Championship. Yeah. Braun. I love the idea of Braun Strowman versus Kenny Omega. It doesn't work, it shouldn't work, but it will work. Because, <laughs> uh, like, you got people who could show up then you can think, well, see, well, this person, all the people that released on the 15th of April, their non-competes finished on the 14th, just gone. And then you got people who released there, like, how much they, could they show up or could they not? Because uh, it's really hard to work out who's going to show up, who, whose feet you go where and go where and at what time. But uh, I wouldn't. Mm. Like, I remember somebody I was talking to was there said that uh, Ken Shamrock got sent away from Impact under suspension, and when he was last seen on TV, he was an ally of of Sammy Callahan's. So can you imagine the Good Brothers and John Kelsey baby up Sammy Callahan? Out comes old man Ken Shamrock. <laughs> just, just John the legend the of SmackDown Two know your role, Ken Shamrock. In 1997, all over again, you got the jackal being put in an ankle hawk by, by Ken <laughs> Um So we'll move on from this because we could fantasy book all night. Um, we mentioned Buddy Murphy as someone who could show up. Two new stories relating to him this week. Um, his first post-WWE match confirmed. He's going to be taking on the machine Brian Cage at an independent show. Uh, that is a match I w- would pay to see. Yeah, because like, Cage is deceptively like agile for a bigger guy, and you know we know how good Buddy Murphy you know can be, uh, and it's interesting because the story that I was reading about him going to Impact said that it was like, I can't remember who which reporter was it said it, but they said they said no, I know Impact's making a big making a big play, and it was a response to them saying they're being asked, does they can you see Murphy going to AEW, and they said that so far they'd not heard anything from AEW about having interest in Buddy Murphy. Because I think they're being selective about who they bring in sometimes. Because obviously they got Black, and also you'd think there'd be the temptation for more Black versus Murphy matches in another company. But it's interesting because you see him getting his first booking is against an AEW talent. You'd think the door would be open for him to go there. But I, I, 
I don't know how I'd be able to find it. I'm sure it'll be end up on YouTube somewhere, and I'll make sure I hunt that down when it comes out. Yeah, uh, for a company called, I don't think it's. I think it's just a, a sort of independent show. I don't think there is any. It's called Battleground. The show. It's <laughs> going to take place. Two minutes. Just I'm just reading the full thing here. Uh, Saturday, September 18th, live from the 2300 Arena Worlds Collide. Um, witness former, because we'll talk about this later, AWFTW champion Brian Cage go one-on-one with the supremely talented Buddy Murphy. Uh, Battleground will be the place. You will be the witness. Uh, it's in the, e- the old ECW Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will be Philadelphia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so... Philadelphia Battleground, September 18th, Brian Cage versus Buddy Murphy. Uh, It's a a show also set to feature, here you go, Uh, Matt Hardy, Enzo Amore and the former Aiden English. Mm. Big names on that card, certainly. Um, Buddy Murphy also talked about... um, recently being very uncomfortable with the Rey Mysterio storyline that he was involved in uh, as part of Seth Rollins' uh, pardon me, Seth Rollins' disciple going up against Rey Mysterio and his family. He said there was aspects he wasn't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly the whole thing with Aaliyah because there was obviously a bit of an age difference between the two and I think he was very straight on like not wanting to kiss her on screen either. and then he said that he had a couple of producers go to Vince uh, then come back with a meeting friends looking kind of uncomfortable with him the fact, telling the fact that yeah you got to kiss her and like wait what? and he said I actually told me to fuck off because I thought they were joking and this is the most Australian sounding thing I've ever heard from Buddy Murphy but, uh, he said that uh, he said they like well apparently Aaliyah was okay with it but like, like she, but she has to kiss me because that then so she knows what she wants. If I kiss her, I look like a creep. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christ, I, I couldn't find anything. See, on our last story about the, would you call it, about his booking, I just seen the, the match graphic. It was on Brian Cage's Instagram. It says nothing about where it was or where it, like, <laughs> what it was. And literally, as I'm reading through this article, Gives me everything I need to know in that in the last story. <laughs> Just to clarify, um, it's the Battleground Wrestling promotion, September 18th in Philadelphia at the old ECW Arena. Brian Cage versus Buddy Murphy. Um, yeah, he says he said that they were both adults and that she was she was fine with that. Uh, and after it, they just gave each other a high five and went about their day. But yeah. There's a lot of talk sometimes about um, attitude either storylines that come into play and a lot of the women saying I wasn't comfortable kissing this person or that person but I did it because I felt that my job was on the line and Buddy Murphy's another one who's now came out and it's it's weird seeing it from a male perspective, you know what I mean and seeing like how how uncomfortable people can be with certain things and how they feel that they need to do it because it's a job, it's a it's an aspect of wrestling, I think. I think in 2021, we can hopefully leave behind. Yeah, because I think he, he stresses that what he was told was Ben thought it was important that the two kiss. But considering that 
two weeks later, like we're in a bit survivor series time when Seth is finally written off as part of this storyline. No, nothing comes of it. Nothing comes of their relationship. Yeah, and also um, when he mentions it on his Instagram, because he puts, he, like, it was just as when Murphy was out on his own. He went, Seth Rollins was using me, Aaliyah was using me, this one was using that one, trying to make something of the story. And nothing comes of it. Like, you know, they, they told him, take it down. Take down that Instagram post because it makes it look as if we didn't know what we were doing with that storyline. It's like, well, you didn't. You, you pressured the guy into kissing someone he didn't want to kiss or feel comfortable doing, and then when he tries to make something of the storyline that you forgot about, you go, nah, take that down. It's just weird because I don't think uh, long-term it would have been anything worth really watching or that would have been that thing because like, there was all those rumours of they were going to do another... Or wrestling wedding because those, those are always fun and never have any problems. Uh, so, <laughs> I think once Seth got like written off to you know go away and be with Becky and their kids, any real reason for buddy to be associated with the Mysterios went away. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. We'll move we'll move on from this. And we'll move on to quite a quite a quick story because I don't really know what to say about this to be honest with you. Um, Mandy Rhodes traded to NXT in exchange for Aaliyah. Aaliyah looks like she's walked out on the Robert Stone brand. Um, Robert Stone and the the other one in the brand, I, I don't know her name, um, look like they're teaming with Frankie Monet now. We saw, um, we saw Mandy Rhodes show up on NXT and go, oh, look, the brand, uh, looks like the faction's getting bigger and or the brand's getting bigger or something like that. And it's been rumoured that she's now on NXT in exchange for Aaliyah, which in turn breaks up the Robert Stone brand and Mandy Rose's tag team with Dana Brooke. Um, I don't really know what to say about this, Scott. Um, Aaliyah, certainly impressing, came a long way since her days on uh, Breaking Ground on the WWE Network. Mandy Rose, someone Vince McMahon was very high on, now it seems like he He's happy to let her go to NXT. Do you want to talk about this or will we just move on? I mean, I think what we should say is that he uh, said it was a trade. And I'm like, I don't think it's a fair trade, to be honest, because Mandy Rose, well, maybe not as good as some other woman on the main roster in terms of her uh, ring ability. She still has a lot to offer in terms of character. She's been a part of a well put together storylines, you know, with all this, up in, all this stuff up until WrestleMania, I think was well, really well done. But, you know, Aaliyah it seems to be, like, I think there's a reason she hasn't moved away from NXT as much, uh, like, since 2015. I think there's a reason she's been there as long as she has. So I don't know what she's going to do on the main roster. Uh, yeah, like, I'm, you know, I'm happy to see what Mandy Rose does or she gets in, has any reactions with, like, Frankie Money or something like that. But somebody uh, put a picture up of... Uh, all of Dana Brooke's former tag team that she's been in, how they've all basically broken up and like you got her and, her and Emma. Emma's no longer North of the company. She was briefly Charlotte's Prozy. That's not a thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's one more that I can't think of. And then this, it sadly got broken. I'm basically like, yeah, it's probably, probably like, I think Dana Brooke should stop being in tag teams because she's starting to become the common denominator in those teams. <laughs> yeah, uh, Natalia and Tamina for a while before they won the tag titles, they were sort of like that for a while. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it was weird because like like a week before, I think even on the Raw before, there was like a backstage segment between Mandy and Dana and Natalia and Tamina because they've been teasing a match. The titles between those two with them interrupting photo shoots and you had Mandy versus Natalia on the Hell in a Cell kickoff. And then just within the same week, Mandy's, oh, I'm back on NXT now. What about Dana? Yeah. Uh, that is a weird one. We'll just we'll move on from this. Um, we'll move on to some AEW stories just now. Um, they are continuing their their comeback to you know full crowds. We had Road Rager a couple of weeks ago. Last night we had a uh, Fighter Fest Night One. A uh, Darby Allen against Ethan Page in a coffin match. A coffin drop through an actual coffin, Scott. Uh, <laughs> sometimes things are taken far too literally. Easy for me to say. I mean, this is a company that had a ladder match for a literal brass ring. So can you be surprised? No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> also on the show, um, the former Rusev Miro introduced a new look TNT title. That TNT title has had more facelifts than Michael Jackson. <laughs> On a side, what do you think of the new design? I actually quite like it. I mean, it's very funny you mentioned Magic Jackson because this went from black to white. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I I really like it. I mean, there's the green kind of around the champion bit, but, and I usually don't like green as the first colour of our title belt. Usually it doesn't work, but I think it works because there's a little bit of red still in there, so maybe you can tie it into you know, the big up with the white strap and you know, the Bulgarian colours maybe as the influence for Miro putting it in there. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep that colour scheme for uh, for whoever takes it off them. But, you know, for me, I'm a sucker for a white strap on a title belt with mixed with the gold. I think it's the best look for a title. I didn't really like it when they went from red to black for the strap uh, for the TNT title. I understand their motivations for doing it, but I like at least one title on a show to not have the black strap. Because they're all belt plate-wise and all the designs are different, but if one of them has a different coloured strap from the rest, kind of like how before the introduction of the women's tag belts on NXT, you had the other belts were all had the regular black strap, and then you had the kind of brown, maroonish North American tail to kind of stand out amongst the rest. Because I don't like title belts on a show to all look the same. So I really like this look that Miro's got. He's talking about how he's the title being the champion has changed him, so he wanted to change the TNT title. Nice. I like that. That is a good. That's a good reasoning for it. Um, the TNT title, I think, is the best looking title on the brand. Um, I'm a f- I go back and forward on the AEW title, and the, I'm not a fan of the tag and the women's title design. But I do like the fact that every title looks different, and that's something you know. NXT, I think the men, the women's, and the tags look exactly the same. On the main roster, you know, you know, you can only tell what brand it's on by the colour. You know what I mean? It's like uh, for the the men's world title, the the tag titles and the women's title, and then of course the abomination that is the current United States title. So I like the fact that AEW's title, everyone looks different. They haven't played it safe and tried to make them all look the same. They've all went different. Um, talking about a title though that's um, not not a, 
an AEW title, but one that will be defended on AEW next week for Fighter Fest Matt, night two. John Moxley versus Lance Archer in a Texas Deathmatch rematch from their match at, was it Wrestle Kingdom 11? Hey, 14. 14, no, there you go. I'm only three out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't host East Meets West, hosted by Scott and Gran on ESSR. Um, their rematch, a rematch of their Texas Death match. Um, that is Moxley been more and more defending the IWGP United States Championship as um, as New Japan are starting to do shows in front of fans again and start to uh, build towards doing shows in the United States again. Yeah. Uh, because I, I was convinced Carl Anderson was going to win the title on Fighter Fest night one, but also retained, and now within a week he's getting another. He's defending it again against Archer, and I like that they're having this match, the same match that uh, Moxley beat Archer for the belt in in the first place. But it does lead them in a weird place title-wise because I think Archer's getting to this place where he can't lose any more titles, so it would still be considered, you know, this intimidating force. Yeah. Because he, Lost, lost multiple TNT title shots, lost against Moxley and a shot for the world title. Uh, and every time he loses, they then have a, street, a series of like seven weeks where he's on dark, destroying people to then build him back up again. So I really think this is the time. If you're gonna, I think it would shock everybody for the, U, for the IWGP US title to change hands on a non-New Japan show. And you know, Moxley is on the poster for the big show that they're having in LA in front of fans in New Japan. Uh, on the 14th of August, I think it's happening. So mm-hmm. that they couldn't then promote a rematch between the two for that show. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how, I'll touch on this one quickly. Um, you mentioned how you thought Carl Anderson was going to win the IWGP US title last week. Someone who did win a title uh, this past week on AEW, Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, the new FTW world champion defeating uh, Brian Cage, his fellow Team Taz member. Um, I like the fact that the likes of the Mound Dollar title, which is back on NXT, and the FTW title, which is back <clears throat> at AEW, two classic titles from different time periods, different stages in wrestling, being used now to put more people over and at the same time being defended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. Like within the week of uh, the Million Dollar Tail being defended, uh, we have an FTW title match, which just as well nobody on their draft team has Brian Cage or Ricky Starks, or you know, people wouldn't have counted that as a championship win because it's not a recognised title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like. I think it's another story, like another plot point in the whole like Brian Cage eventually breaking away from them. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't have this title match at. Uh, all out, but I think maybe the match they're going to have it all out could be like Powerhouse Hobbs fighting Cage. You know the two, you know the beef. You know, like beefy yeah, boys. Two big beefy boys, yeah. But I'm I'm happy for Ricky Stark because you know he not he's not far off. You know having an injury recently. You know, but in between his injury, you know he's had a match on paper against Sting, and now he's a champion. Even though technically not recognised, he still won a title match in a, a featured storyline. So no, I'm I'm happy for Ricky Starks. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a it's been a banner year injury assigned for Ricky Starks. Um, other matches added to Fighter Fest Night Two: Orange Cassidy versus Blade. Uh, that is a mismatch of styles if I've ever seen one. And the five is the five labors of Jericho 
begin next week as he takes on Sean Spears. Sean Spears can use a chair in the match. Jericho cannot. So this is, I think, this is going to lead to some some themed matches against the other members of um, of Pinnacle as he tries to get back to MGF and get his hands on MGF again. Yeah, I mean, I know, like you said, he's got four matches, so obviously he'll, he'll probably face the four members of Pinnacle. I think there's a fifth thing he's got to do if he gets through those, and I'm assuming that's going to be like. MGF coming in saying, oh, we're going to have the match, and but it's going to be in stipulation here when I assume it's probably going to be some sort of thing with Jericho's career on the line, if I had to guess. Yeah. In the way the but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they say that they add someone else for the fourth match instead do when he faces FTR. It has to be both members of FTR, but like, oh, it's an Andika match, but they can both be in the ring at the same time. Yeah. You'll take on Dax Hardwood. He can use a hard piece of wood to hit you with. <laughs> <laughs> Cash Wheeler, he's got he's silver dollars and a and a stock he used to hit you with. I'm telling you, saying something cash related. I, I fucked that up. <laughs> Wardlow, he's just a big bastard. He will beat the shit out of you. Like or your fourth your fourth opponent, Tully Blanchard. <laughs> oh for God's sake! I think that'd be amazing. Actually, I'd, I think that'd be and quite good. People, and a few people on this roster, Chris, older than you. <laughs> Um, so we talked about um, Mickey James earlier on. She believes the Evolution pay-per-view was set up to fail. She had complained about WWE's advertising of it, WWE's uh, planning of the matches. She also referenced that when she asked about hosting a second one, uh, they said, why would we do a second one? It was our worst drawing pay-per-view of all time. I think saying that in the network era is a bit... You know, it's a bit like, who cares? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, pay-per-views yeah. are down across the board, not just because of the network, but in the age we live in, where there's illegal streaming sites and what have you. And it doesn't help that, like, it was kind of announced, like, a month in advance. I mean, there were rumours of it for a long time, because uh, they announced in a, an event uh, on the day in the, the arena in somewhere in New York where that was happening. It took them ages to announce that it was for Evolution, and so there's people just seen that date and think exactly where the old one's just going to be. And also, given it that also given it was four days or so before Crown Jewel that year, uh, it was clear that obviously, like, although the timing of it is like, oh, sorry, we can't take you all to Saudi Arabia, but have all, have this show and a smaller venue with not a big set and the lights dimmed because the upper levels don't have as many people in them, but wasn't terrible tickets wise. It's still pretty much almost sold out, just some of the higher levels didn't have a lot of people in them, so the lights were very dimmed, which made it seem like one of those house shows that they, they sometimes televise, like, yeah. in terms of production, so it doesn't get a lot of, a lot that way, uh, but, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think it was a bad, it wasn't a bad pay-per-view by any means, it sucked that someone like uh, Alexa Bliss couldn't compete on it because she was injured or something like that, Uh you know, yeah, I, I think she's really using like a lot of the motivation for this, uh, like what she didn't like about this show, and given the fact that she's now the producer for the Empower show, uh, the NWA, and she's probably going to do what she thinks WWE should have done with this show. I think the only thing they've really announced that show is that Camille will defend the tail against a p- opponent yet to be named, and then the winner of that match will face the winner of a tournament that's happening in Empower, and the winners of those of the tournament and the what would say match will face at the NWA 73 show. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking here. Um, 
round about the time of the Evolution show, you know, it was, they were building towards Triple H versus Undertaker in Australia, and then Shawn Michaels' comeback when DX took on the Brothers of Destruction in Saudi Arabia. They were building up to the World Cup, uh, which got a lot of exposure on TV. Uh, Smackdown's, was it Smackdown's 1,000th episode? It it was the 1,000th episode, wasn't it? It was around about this time. It was around about the time where Batista put out the teaser for the Triple H match. Yeah, no, I think it was an anniversary. So I think it was not an anniversary show instead. Um, The episode was around about the time of the Fox move. No, it was the, no, the thousand episode. I th- I, anyway, whatever it was, uh, there was a SmackDown special and that was getting all the attention. Brock Lesnar returned uh, because Roman Reigns was out with uh, leukemia. So that was getting a lot of attention. So I I don't blame her for thinking it was set up to fail. You know, Brock Lesnar's return, Shawn Michaels in ring again, the return of DX and the Brothers of Destructions, the World Cup, uh, AJ Styles fought some more over the WWE title. That was a big feud at the time, and obviously Saudi Arabia's issue with women being at the shows. You know, what I mean, it is a. It's hard to argue with the fact, and you know, we 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 did complain at the time that there was very few matches announced until just before it. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of rematches. You know the. Becky Lynch and uh, Charlotte match. I believe it was Night of Champions that ended in a DQ. And that that was just to look further the storyline here. Which did lead to a great match, you know what I mean? But, you know, the tag match wasn't announced until late on. The Battle Royal wasn't announced until late on. And that did get a lot of criticism. Um, They did, all they kind of did was put up Hey, we're going to be doing a singles match. Sorry, a, a match for every you know championship and the May Young Classic, and then left it at that. And yeah. then things just sort of fell where they did. And so yeah, looking back on it now, more and more and more, um, I'm actually, I'm actually reading now just on actually the Wikipedia saying she wants. Triple H saying from a business sense it doesn't make points and saying oh, so much, so much pettiness going on between t- Triple H and Mickey James on this thing. I'm not going to read all that out. <laughs> I mean, the six one Tiger thing was, I think it was just an excuse to have the woman involved on the card because, like, Sasha and Bailey particularly should have been on a higher spot on that card. I think there was a plan apparently to introduce the women's tie titles on that show. That got delayed for a reason. Maybe they were too hesitant to, at the time to introduce it until the following year. I think Rhea Ripley was made to defend the NXT UK women's title on the show. That got moved to a dark match because the way they buggered up the like edition out of the, the shows that they recorded, the episode she'd won the title and hadn't been aired yet. Okay. It's, it's... It is a weird one. Sasha Banks has campaigned as well for another evolution style pay-per-view i'd be game for seeing another one you know i not because it was like the first ever all women show i think it was just a genuinely good pay-per-view you know what i mean we had multiple title matches we had the 
the legends return with Trish and Stratus. We had uh, Trish and Leah, sorry. We had a good battle royal. Uh, I'd like I said, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair was a great match. Ronda and Nikki Bella, I thought was quite good. Shayna Kyrie Sane, great. The May Young Classic final, great. So yeah, I, I I wouldn't mind seeing another one. And if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be wouldn't be the first time WWE either had a really good or really bad pay per view. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think I think eventually they will do one because they've got too strong a roster not to do one. Well, we'll move on to Evolution. One of the women who actually competed that night in the Battle Royal, Sonya Deville, um, we haven't seen her compete since SummerSlam uh, back in 2020. She had a Loser Leaves WWE match with Mandy Rose. Um, Obviously, it was to write her off TV due to the personal ongoing issues that were happening in her life at the time. Um, She has sort of been a, a de facto like Karen Jarrett style figure Scott you know general manager of the women's division recently um, rumours are her in-ring returns imminent do you think we might see her you know we saw her put Liv Morgan and money in the bank do you think we might see her take her out and take her place could see her maybe coming out maybe get involved by pushing her off the ladder like Liv's fit to win I mean it's, it's Talking about the story would have been a bit more exciting had they not recently announced that Tamina got the last pot in money in the bank because I think a lot of people might have thought, oh, we're signing a for herself and they're you know, trying to do what they were planning on doing before William Eagle when he was broad GM and King of the Ring at the same time where he was meant to get a world title run but then he got suspended. So that could have been interesting but I think you could set up a live uh, Sonya feud from this either way. Uh, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Sonya. I think SmackDown really needs some uh, help in their women's division, like, other than the fact that they're, they're bringing up people from NXT because, you know, Sasha is still, we don't know when she's coming back. Bailey's out for nine months. Uh, I, I can't even remember if Natalia team or even Raw or SmackDown wrestlers. So I think Sonya actually would be a welcome addition to the roster. Yeah, I think... I think that would be too, you know, it would certainly strengthen the SmackDown women's division. Uh, well, well, we'll just talk about this new story as well at the same time. Bailey, unfortunately injured during what was meant to be a mandatory uh, wrestling class that all of the main roster talent apparently now have to go through, uh, ordered by Vince McMahon. She was chain wrestling when she went down and injured her knee. Uh, she's also done, I believe, her ACL as well. She's going to be up, out for up to nine months. Bailey is a big loss to the SmackDown Women's Division, and you know it, it says a lot for how good Bailey is. That you know they're bringing back Sonya Deville, they've brought up Shotzi and Tegan, and they're going to bring up Tony Storm to you know try fill the void that she had because she was such a even in the era where there was no women really on SmackDown, she made you want to tune into that women's division, her and Sasha Banks, because she was just so good. Yeah. It sucks that, like, I think she'll go down as one of the, if you're making a list of, like, the top five or top ten, like, best performers in WWE in the uh, pandemic era, she'd have to be in the top three easily, uh, if not number one. Uh, and the fact that it was a trade thing, like, a week before the SmackDown, before fans come back, is where it's announced that she's injured. Uh, it really has to, to suck. I think 
her injury or ACL is very similar injury to what Eric Young suffered and the timeline given for his recovery was between six and nine months. So yeah, it's it sucks that Bailey's gonna be out for that long. But you know, we can only hope, you know, it's middle of the year, so maybe that'll I can tell we're about rumble time that the rumors are gonna be about that Bailey's coming back, possibly. But uh, that's maybe you know, the best peak best case scenario. Uh also the fact that, you know, the, the SmackDown uh, that match for Owen Sandwich has been moved from uh, maybe back to SmackDown again because you know, Bailey's no longer a part of it. But I think on the bright side, it, it leaves them with a, a bit match to promote for the bit of the first SmackDown back with fans. Yeah, um, it is heartbreaking, as you said. She didn't have a match at WrestleMania. We saw like the, the show and a half style. Um, what build up? We thought, how is she going to like? Is Becky Lynch going to come back? Is Be- you know who's going to attack Bailey? Turned out to be the Bella twins. They gave her one punch. She fell to the ground, and that was that. And it just, it felt like the the MVP of the the era when there was no fans really got screwed over when there was fans in the building. And then obviously, the week before fans come back, she falls down with an injury and. I seen someone put up, and I I absolutely agree. Uh, she is going to get the Triple H in Madison Square Garden style pop when she returns. I I definitely agree with that because I you know it doesn't matter what you did when you were around how poorly booked or whatever as you did. I think if you're away for long enough, you'll get that kind of reaction when you come back. Yeah, absolutely. So Bailey out, Sonia rumored to be coming back soon. I would like to see a sort of like. Like authority figures in wrestling, the evil authority figure especially has been overused. But because she's not a McMahon, Sonya's not been all over the product. So I, I'd like to see her maybe in a Vicky Guerrero style role. You know, multiple matches for Liv Morgan before she faces her, or like putting Liv Morgan in handicap matches against her and a partner. You know what I mean? Like, I think that could be really good. Um, I mentioned there about how. Is it Becky coming back when we were talking about WrestleMania? Uh, according to PW Insider, Becky is coming back and Becky Lynch will be at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Or at least like, she's supposed to be there like back uh, backstage capacity, like where to appear on screen is obviously we, can, we, we can't tell at this time. Uh, I think she'd be there anyway, you know, Seth's on the, the card, but you know, I think given that well, yeah, we'd like to, to see her like, maybe confront Bianca Belair or people probably would have liked to see her at that spot in mind the bank. I think the most common thing is, the most likely scenario I think is her confronting Rhea Ripley or Charlotte Flair after the Raw Women's title match. Uh, and like you talk about, you know, Bailey getting a hell of a fall, you got to think the pop that Becky will get if she comes out. Uh, nice. And then, but then I worry about her if she did go into a programme with Rhea Ripley because then Ripley has been kind of brought in as a heel random against Asuka kept her weirdly as a heel at first against Charlotte and then kind of had her jump between the two and then like I don't know like would they then have to make her heel again if she wanted if they wanted her going on a program with Becky because there's no way after all this time no matter how much people like Rhea Ripley I worry the fans would just turn on her instantly like oh you know I've never liked Rhea Ripley like you lying prick <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's certainly a weird one um Rhea Ripley, you know, we, we we talked about things being set up to fail. She's not exactly been booked great on the main roster just now. Um, obviously, we 
with Lacey Evans getting pregnant at the start of the year and then Charlotte Flair rumoured to have a COVID-related illness round about WrestleMania time. She was sort of thrown onto the main roster um, with no sort of build and it was like, oh, let's have the big title win in front of fans then, why not? Um, We'll move on to Money in the Bank and that'll be what wraps us up this week. Um, Scott, you were on a couple of weeks ago. I asked your thoughts when the full field of competitors wasn't yet announced. Uh, full field for the men and women's Money in the Bank ladder match is set. And the men's one, we have Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura and Seth Rollins. And on the women's side of things, we have Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki, almost a superhero, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, Natalia, and Tamina. Um, has your opinion changed at all, or are you are you sticking with your picks from last time? Uh, the only thing that changed is my slight uh, slight happiness now from a draft perspective. I think, ah, oh, well, my tag team will both be in the one in the bank at the same time, and I won't lose anything <laughs> because I thought they were going to just rush them into a match with Tegan and Shotzi on the show where there could have been a chance that they had lost the titles which I wouldn't have liked but uh, uh, yeah I, I think I'm going to stick with the people that I've got especially after you know the underwhelming way that they threw Natalia and Tamina into the, the women's money in the bank match because um, they're not going to win it the only thing that surprised me from the men's side because we still had a, some of the Smackdown competitors to be announced to be like announced we had to qualify matches set up uh, but, but we hadn't, they hadn't happened when I was last on I was actually surprised that Seth actually got through instead of Cesaro. Maybe they're wanting to you know, add to the heel side of the match. So putting Seth in and, and the, he's got the history with money in the bank and he even went on talking about it and said, like, who, was the la- who did I cash in on when uh, I won money in the bank? Roman Reigns. And then pointing out you know, Roman is, is the current champion. So maybe the teasing history repeating itself could use that to try and lead into him the edge at SummerSlam. But I think I'm going to stick with Big E because... You know, a lot of people said, oh, you've really forgotten about Big E's push. Like, I actually think they've really done well, the slow burn with this push. Yeah, I would have liked him to have faced Apollo one time fewer, maybe. But other than that, you know, I think I would I would think I'll come around to other people's way of thinking. I say that WWE's like hesit- too hesitant on Big E's push if he doesn't win the money in the bank. I think he is a fan. He'll get the biggest reaction on the night if he wins it. Uh, I don't mean... Sorry, Scott, how would... How would Twitter have reacted in 1996 when Austin won the King of the Ring and then was on the free-for-all? The actual pre-show, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute, the actual pre-show that no one saw uh, against Yokozuna a month later. Like, How do you think fans would have reacted back then? I, I, I agree, Big E has been consistently pushed, wins over Sheamus, Intercontinental title run, big match at Mania, big entrance at Mania. That's how you can tell who the big stars are, not by the wins and losses, but by the personalised entrances at Mania. And kept consistent while being kept away from titles that will weigh him down ahead of the money in the bank. I think he was the first SmackDown guy to qualify. And he's certainly he's certainly my pick for the match. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I might... Think I might like think like okay maybe it's not happening just yet if he doesn't win my event because I think yeah I may agree it was maybe too soon for him to win the rumble but he still got a strong showing in the rumble but mm-hmm. in my event could be a good way for me yeah, especially the rumors of him going to Raw fight Lashley are true but like I agree with you but they also think I think WWE's 
as fucked itself when it comes to rewriting history with documentary. Oh, Austin, he, he won King of the Ring, then had a match with Brett, then he was a star. No, there were quite a few things that happened in between the two. No, uh, there wasn't. Move on. Everyone was on vacation. But <laughs> the main for the women's one that he should have put Eva and Dewdrop in there. Uh, yes, Dave, which is called Dewdrop for now. I know it's a shit name, but so is Piper Nevin. How many <laughs> badass do you know with the surname Nevin? Like, and. Nevin! Like, 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 Max getting maximum heat when crowds are back. Sometimes you gotta lean into the fact that people don't like her. Because, like, it's it's, a, it's better than what they do with Charlotte. Because, like, oh, you don't like Charlotte in title matches? We'll keep giving her meaningless title reigns. Whereas Eva, we're not having her wrestle, but having her act like she is. That's how you take advantage of people not liking somebody for real. But, hmm. Liv Morgan, I think, with everything going on with Sonya, you know, they make me get seem like she's the underdog or the outside choice to win it, but I don't think she's going to do it. Uh, you know, people like ask her, they've done it before, so I think Alexa Bliss is going to do it. Uh, I, yeah, I think that I'm sticking with Alexa Bliss, but I'm sticking my two choices before in a really long-winded way of saying that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going biggie. You know what? I'm going to go outside, but for the women's money in the bank, I think Liv Morgan gets replaced by Sonya. So Sonya gets caused by Liv. No, I'm going to go Naomi. I think she is consistently on the cusp. She is well liked by large groups of fans. She's incredibly athletic, and I think if WWE maybe gave her the money in the bank, there's at least consistent TV time there and consistent storylines before she cashes in. So. I, I wouldn't. I, I'm going to go outside bet. I'm going to go Naomi for this one. I, I do agree with you, though, about Natalia and Tamina being the last two spots in it. I, I couldn't care less. I, I much rather would have had Natalia and Tamina defend the titles against Dewdrop and Piper Niven, and had Shotzi and Knox in this match because you look at the men's side. High flyers like Ricochet, John Morrison, and Seth Rollins. Riddle's not afraid to go up top. Kevin Owens and Big E with the big splashes, you know, there's going to be some high-flying action in that match. I would have liked to have seen Shotzi in that match just diving on everybody. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Tegan at this stage with her in a ladder match, you know. She's like Mr. Glass from Unbreakable at this stage. Uh, you know what I don't get, though, then? Why don't they maybe just put one from Natalia and Tamina and one from Shotzi and, well, just Shotzi then? And have Ember and say Tamina as like sorry Ember because I'm, I'm thinking an old team have Tegan and Tamina be like the corner men. You know what I mean? Maybe. I mean, we actually look at it, the men's one. It looks great actually when you look at the lineup for it. That could be. A, I'm really looking forward to that match. Could be one of the. However, you'll say this could be one of the best men's men and bike matches of all time. But the women's one looks like the weirdest mixed bag of a match they've ever put together. For like, even, especially for our money in the bank. I mean, it looks like you were getting out your action figures for a, for something. You, you couldn't find a couple, so you just pulled out two random ones. Uh, I'll throw the superhero one in here, and uh, where's that spooky spooky doll I've got? I'll throw her in there as well. <laughs> I um, it reminds me. Do you remember? I think it was maybe in 2012 where you had like Tensai and Santino and Mustache Cody Rhodes and all that in the Money in the Bank and it was a really, really weird one. I think that that's what this reminds me of. 
I, mean, I remember like there was one that was like, maybe uh, in 2013 for the Royal Money in the Bank, it was maybe an all-star team, like former champions. So for the SmackDown, it said, let's have a group of guys who haven't had a shot yet. Uh, and then you realise, with the exception of like Sabara and Rose that were in the match, you looked at everybody else and like, yeah, there's a reason you guys haven't been put in a shot for the world title. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll we'll move away from the Money in the Bank matches themselves. Um, AJ Styles Nomos versus the Viking Raiders. Um, this was meant to be the first Raw um, in front of fans match. Eh, sorry, title match. Um, it's been moved on to the card because of the injury to Bailey, unfortunately. Do you think they might do Viking Raiders getting a sneaky roll-up win on AJ and then doing the match tomorrow in front of the crowds and having AJ and Omos win them back? Or do you just think it's just going to be a case of Omos runs through another team? I wouldn't mind seeing that the way they kind of flip-flop. You know, they'll keep it exciting. But I don't well, My interest in the Viking Raiders is incredibly low. So I think I'd just rather see AJ and... Uh, almost retain the titles. Uh, I think they're trying to make it do a similar format to WrestleMania, but trying to make it look more impressive when when almost is dominant because, you know, Viking Raiders are a bigger in terms of stature in terms, and the New Day not as in bigger than status in the card. Uh, I, I think they're going to hold it until, like, RK Bro probably beat them whenever that happens because Randy's disappeared. He's, did he fancy a holiday and nobody's told us where he is, <laughs> where he's went? We also have, it's just been confirmed as we were on air, uh, the kickoff match is going to be Rey Mysterio and Dominic defending the tag titles against the Usos. Some complaints about <clears throat> it being on the pre-show, I don't really mind. This was the sort of thing back in the day when like factions were, you know, when leaders of factions were fighting on the main show, you would have people fight on the pre-show. And that would result in like a big Grammy and it would like build up interest for that match later in the night. You know what I mean? You had like when the corporation were feuding with DX, you know, you'd have like Billy Gunn go up against Test and that was meant to build interest for The Rock and Triple H later on in the night. Or, you know, Gangrel's fighting Savio Vega. So Los Bariquas are going to fight The Brood. You know what I mean? Like it's just these are guys obviously involved in the Edge Roman Reigns storyline and I, they'll get more time on the pre-show. I love Rey Mysterio. I think the Usos are great. So I don't have a problem with this being on the pre-show, do you? No, no. I mean, Usos have shown it doesn't matter where they are on the card. Uh, like the feed with the New Day, like when they work it on the pre-show in 2017 at SummerSlam, they can, they've shown that they can be, uh, they can have the best match on the show, like regardless of where they're placed. And so I think getting that in the pre-show, putting that, making that the first match that people see. Uh, a full crowd is probably like in terms of pay-per-view will be a good idea because it'll get the crowd kind of hyped up for the rest of the show and with this one this is where I can see a title change coming now the Usos are back you know, at full strength and all the best tag team that he's got and hopefully it'll make things more interesting on Smackdown because you know they tried their best with that four-way around about Wrestlemania time but you know the Smackdown tag division has been lacking hence how long bloody the Dirty Dogs were champions <laughs> I like the Dirty Dogs, I'm going to be honest um, Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship uh, we talked about Big E you know, maybe winning and cashing in 
Rumours recently that Bobby Lashley's next feud is for SummerSlam. Have you heard who it's meant to be? Oh, Goldberg. Goldberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, there's no talk. Goldberg. Anyway. Flanders. That's what you... <laughs> I was going to do it again, but never mind. That's, that's going to be the build into it. Goldberg. <laughs> I'll stop doing it. That's what Lashley's going to do. Lashley's going to go up in the stands and just sit there and go, what? Uh, the ring's that way. <laughs> oh, do you know why? Like, I, I know, and we'll, we'll talk about this quickly, people don't want Goldberg back because he is, he is very much past it and he was never, you know, he was never Ricky Steamboat in the ring. You know what I mean? But, um, I, I don't want him back because I don't like, you know, the guy who was undefeated for ages and he always comes back and it's always just to lose. And I know he doesn't, you know, care too much about wins and losses. And, you know, he, he gets paid very handsomely for his limited in-ring time. But I just, I don't... See if he wants to come back and, you know, batter Baron Corbin and Jinder Mahal and people like Miz who, like, don't really... When they lose, it doesn't really matter, you know what I mean? Because, you know, they're they're skeeving, conniving, maniacal heels. See if he wants to show up at Sami Zayn's movie premiere and spear him, you know, out of his boots. Great, you know what I mean? But keep him away from the title picture, you know what I mean? Because nobody wants to see him win, and I don't want to see him lose. So, I mean, I think I do agree. Like, you know, like maybe bring him back to Scorpio. They don't really care. I mean, the way just Barr does like at SummerSlam a couple of years ago was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. If he came back to that to uh, the Jinder Mahal on pay per view, they probably they were talking had to change his indies. He hates Jinder Mahal that much, <laughs> but it makes very lot of sense the way they set up his matches. So I just comes back like, I'm fighting this person. Why? Just because? Because I'm Goldberg. Because I'm Goldberg. <laughs> and. Like, him coming out to potentially challenge Bobby Lashley for the title makes even less sense than any other times. Like, because last time we saw him, he was challenging for the title and losing to Drew very convincingly. So, like, and like Bobby Lashley's gone to beat Drew like three times since then. So, like, two of them on pay per view. Like, like, one of them at WrestleMania, one's in Hell in a Cell, and things like that. Uh, so, it makes no sense. Why would Lashley want to fight Goldberg? I think the rumor is that he's going to appear the Raw after rather than at Money in the Bank itself. So maybe like an opening segment, Lashley comes out saying, oh, I beat Goldfey, who's my next challenger? Out comes Goldberg and everything. Uh, but I feel bad for MVP in that feud because we know he's taking the big bumps on the lead up to that show. <laughs> uh, I also like, I know I don't get what they're trying to do here. Like, they seem to be upset with this whole battle of the Spears. You know, they, ha- they wanted it with Goldberg and Roman. They, now they seemingly want it with Goldberg and Lashley. There is no battle as far as I'm concerned. Both Roman and Lashley Spears vastly out outmatch uh, are vastly superior to Goldberg's spear, in my opinion. Oh, God, no, no, no. Prime Goldberg, Lashley's spear is horrendous, especially that stupid big flip. No, 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 no. The master of the spear is Goldberg. Sorry, you're wrong there. Anyway, well, we move away from how wrong you are, Scott. We'll, we'll talk about him. Um, oh, thank you. I feel so welcome. We'll talk about Kofi Kingston. Um Obviously, Xavier Woods pinned Bobby Lashley this past week. He lost a WWE Championship Hell in a Cell match at the start of the month. Uh, Kofi Kingston 
might lose here. What about Big E cashing in on the night because Bobby Lashley refused to release Kofi Kingston for the heart lock? Like, I think that could be amazing. I think it would give Bobby Lashley excuses because he's like, oh, well, I wasn't fresh and, you know, I'd just been through a match where I beat the hell out of your, you know, your entire New Day team. And it would give Big E the title. You know what I mean? I'd I'd be all for it. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen a men's like Mind the Bank like casting on the night. That seems to be a popular choice for the, the women's Mind the Bank briefcase the last couple of years, but uh, the last time we seen the men's, I think, was 2016 when Ambrose did it. Mm. Uh, so it'd be interesting, you know, either that or just having a confrontation between the two to then set it up, like, for Big E to say ahead of time, I'm going to cash it in. But like, I would like to see Big E and Lashley, you know, come to blows. This all also depends on Big E winning the money in the bank, which some people aren't even convinced he's going to do. But I do think it's a fresh you know, you can still bring Goldberg back because I think Big E's been not shy with Big E hasn't been shy about the fact that Goldberg's one of his dream matches. So, you know, as long as Goldberg loses, you know, let Big E, you know, live out his fantasy of slapping meat with Goldberg, let Goldberg think he's still like kids and nobody will be, uh, everybody will be happy. Lovely. Thanks for that image of slapping meat. Uh, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair. Seems like the last chance for Charlotte Flair. We talked about how Becky Lynch could show up here. Do you think Rhea Ripley's winning this one, or is Charlotte Flair winning her 8,000th world title? This is the hard one for me, because I think, you know, I figured that maybe they would try and at one point have Charlotte win the title. I thought that would happen at Hell in a Cell for Rhea to win about to have a definitive win over Charlotte. But I think part of the thing with, part of the story with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte is that Rhea has to prove that she can successfully defend a belt against Charlotte because, like, she lost the belt, the NXT title to her. And the idea, like, oh, like, you may be good as a champion, but it doesn't matter what you do because whenever you come out against me, you'll lose. But so I think a definitive win for Rhea is probably what's best, even though we know how WWE likes to extend programs out, even to like, to, like a show like SummerSlam. Uh, I wouldn't mind a Becky, like, conversation, even though I'd be worried to be booed and cheered. You know, I think the reason the Charlotte thing is, like, prolonged before Becky potentially comes back, is that you actually look at the women's roster as good as Asuka, she's been beaten by Rhea a couple of times. I don't think there's that much interest in seeing the almost superhero, you know, not so mighty Molly, <laughs> on uh, her at SummerSlam, and then the other option is probably Alexa Bliss, so the options on Raw are thinning out a minute, so maybe they do need uh, Becky to come back. Maybe. Um so we've touched on all the matches bar the main event Roman Reigns versus Edge Edge finally gets his universal title match um, I'm just thinking fantasy booking what if Seth wins the money in the bank and cashes in again in a triple threat match with Roman only this time he pins Roman oh, no, sorry, he pinned Roman last time he pins Roman again and he costs Edge and Edge versus Rollins is for the title at SummerSlam. Very interesting. It'd be weird, to, weird to not see champion at SummerSlam. That's where you were last, and you know it, all the people are enjoying seeing this champion. But like also the the big thing, sorry, is Cena versus uh, Roman. And suppose you don't need the title for that. 
But I think for the biggest like main event puzzle for SummerSlam, I I think I'd rather see that. So I think it's, it's maybe Rollins trying to get involved. Maybe Rollins sees Edge back there after he loses his mind the bank, and you know feels you know he feels but he feels like how dare you get a title shot instead of me? I shouldn't have had to compete in Money in the Bank. And uh, so I feel like Edge has jumped the queue. So I think he can get involved without the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, I think, you know, Dina v. Roman for the title is the biggest maybe he can have at SummerSlam. And uh, all, all signs point that Brock isn't coming back. But I think we said that we, the people at WWE have said, oh, we, have, we have more interest in Roman versus Brock in the future than Brock versus Lashley, purely because of the Heyman connection. Yeah, I can. But they might have more interest in Roman versus Brock. I, I certainly don't. I think they, they ruined that for themselves with the. He's going to win it. He's going to win it. He didn't win it. He's going to win it. He's going to win it. He didn't win it. He's going to win it. He's going to win it. All right, he'd eventually won it. You know, that and the 800 day reign of terror of Brock Lesnar as Universal Champion. I'd, I'd much rather see that. But um, do you see any way. Where Edge walks out with the title? Uh, I don't know. I think if they have a lot of like shenanigans with like the Usos coming in, the ref gets knocked down. Edge might then try and like you know he's not really been the most like seen the most baby face in this feud. You know, like we battered both the Usos in the lead up to this, so I could see Edge maybe getting the, the chair out, maybe going for a concerto while the ref's down to win it, but. I don't see any way of him winning, like other other than that. So like, I don't think it's it's a bad thing for Edge to lose here because I think he could possibly then beat Seth at SummerSlam. Uh, but I think it's just the way of continuing the story and giving him the match he wanted, the singles match he wanted at WrestleMania. Uh, I think there's a there's a there's like a hundred different ways this match could end, which is the fun part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as well. If Edge loses here, you know, technically this is his one-on-one match for the for his WrestleMania title win, you know what I mean? Because we did have the triple threat match at Mania. So I'm counting this as his WrestleMania title shot. This is his Royal Rumble, sorry, his reward for winning the Royal Rumble, a one-on-one match with Roman Reigns. If he doesn't win here, I, he's the first two-time loser, like the only person to win the Royal Rumble and then not win the world title in his one-on-one match. Mm-hmm. Because you look back at history, you know, like to Hogan, before, when he won it, it wasn't a thing, the WrestleMania title shot, and he was already champion anyway. Um, if you look at Triple H, you know, 2002 won, 2016 lost. Orton, lost in 09, but won in seven, uh, 2016, sorry, 2017. You know, uh, Batista, won in 05, lost in 14. Cena might have lost a, a No Way Out 09, but he won at WrestleMania 29. So, you got Sean lost at uh, Mania 11, won the following year in the Ironman match. There you go. Uh, see, so it's. I, I really hope he doesn't win just to avoid that sort of moniker, but at the same time, like, you know. I, I don't see him leaving with the title. Do you know? Do you know what I think is going to happen, Scott? I think yeah. for Edge's blatant disrespect of the twenty four seven title on Talking Smack a few weeks ago, I think Artruth's going to come out with his newly won 
365 I-95 South. I can't do it. Quacker can. Uh, and just batter Edge over the head with it and cost him the match. Uh, yeah, that's the match we won at SummerSlam, but he truth the Edge, not this Seth Rollins pish. Give us what we want. <laughs> give us what we want. Give us, give us an actual main eventer. Give us the truth. Eh... <laughs> uh, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Obviously, I try to end on a nice wee story every week. So, and a nice wee uh, news story, current United States champion Seamus, his girlfriend, Isabella Ravalli, uh, posted on Instagram that her and the Irish superstar are recently engaged. So, congrats to the two of them. Yeah, that's nice. It's very rare that we, we get a nice story on this show. I've tried like the past four weeks to end with a nice story. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't mean I don't. I didn't mean that about it. I mean like sometimes I read some like uh, reports. So and so reports. So and so that's happening. Well, this happened. I didn't like this. So it's nice when you can find something nice in the world of wrestling. I was about to say but, I don't control the news. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll keep my fucking mouth shut next time, shall I? On this audio <laughs> format. <laughs> Who needs to talk to do a podcast? Anyway, if you'd like to listen to more of our podcast where we don't talk so much, um, you can find us on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, eh, sorry, at Suplex Retweet for Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, the lot. We are on them all. Thank you, Scott, for being one of three people that's continuously on this show. I'm sorry, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and I'm not talking to you, but I am talking to you when I say enjoy your weekend. Bye bye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello, guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in this show, you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.